Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Hey there, everybody. Steve Waters and Victor Kumar back again for one of our film versions of Investing Insights. It's been probably four weeks since we've... Four weeks, yeah. We've at last done this on so much as changed i mean we put out other podcasts mm-hmm. between then and now but from the film version so much has happened yeah absolutely who would have thought i mean, who would have thought talk about talk about something different to bring the world to its knees yeah it, uh, and look you can go back and and listen to the other podcasts where we've talked about it uh to death mm-hmm. and but for good reasons and so is everybody else to be fair uh it is a critical phase uh, of the worldwide economy and therefore Australia's uh, as well and there are people suffering it's real um, and we need to keep our social distancing yep which we are it's uh, <laughs> we're our two meters two meters apart but uh, Vic today actually before we get to the subject let's talk about what has been happening other than COVID mm. but more to the point how have things reacted since Let's call it in the last seven days because it's been such a big shift. Huge in seven shift, days. Huge shift. Yeah. So initially, people were uh, pretty much in uh, stunned with panic and change, uh, and as slowly the restrictions started easing out, um, the agents um, are coming back and giving us the feedback that you know the inquiry level has have increased the um, um, both for the rental and from sales. Uh, the vendors are starting to talk about listing their properties. Uh, because one of the critical things we saw, uh, Steve, was that there weren't as many properties in the market. Those that could hold back, held back their properties. And those that absolutely had to sell, there weren't, f- weren't many around. Uh, uh, and, and those that already had properties in the market stuck to their guns in terms of pricing. Yeah, and so d- just to re- explore that a little bit further, and you know, most of our clients would have heard us speak about mm. this in terms of the data and... Uh, the most recent data and that element of ground truth that overlays it. Um, but for those that aren't our clients, just a really quick snapshot in terms of the data and what we're seeing, um, which is also well documented to be fair, is that there is very few properties for sale Correct. in the markets that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a flaw in there, if you will. Yes, buyer tempo from the public has um, tempered mm. somewhat. But so too is the amount of stock coming onto the market. And I think those that are selling, for the most, were always going to sell pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. They'd already made up their mind. Uh, and maybe there's an element also of s- some people under duress that aren't taking the mortgage monitorium, um, that perhaps are fixed into higher rates or whatever it may be. They've lost their jobs mm. and they're putting their or they might have on the bought, market. they might have bought another property and they need to sell this that's, as well. Right? That's a really so. important point because... Yeah, contrary to what the, uh, some of the media outlets are talking about, is that there are upsizes, downsizes, mm. first homeowners where the government scheme has now been extended because of COVID. Yep. Uh, there are investors still in the market, whether it be the uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith mm. investor, the sophisticated investor, or the developer who's looking for their next land bank opportunity. Land they're all still there. And in a weird kind of way, I'm trying to look at the, find the right words here, in a weird kind of way, people were waiting for an element of blood on the streets. Yeah, which has not happened. Which has not happened, yeah. yeah. And it's really important to note that because there isn't a GFC scenario here mm. where we're seeing mortgagee in possessions, not even the initial stages. And whether that be because of the mortgage monitorium is yet to mm-hmm. be seen, but let's not forget that interest rates are circa 3%, 3.5%, whatever yep. it may be, compared to the GFC of... Which was 75 plus. Correct. Mm. And, and while that is a bit of a difference so too is the way that the GFC and what do you call it? The GV, GVC. The GVC uh, has played out. Yeah. So clearly everything was harsher now in terms of job loss. Um, but the GFC was an instant asset loss almost on property types and, and mm-hmm. it continued to slide down before it found its bottom and went sideways for a couple of years and we haven't seen that yet. So I thought it would be a really good, that's a really good segue actually into today's subject, which is how to use the current market conditions to shape your portfolio over the next decade. Because mm. we often talk about design your decade. And we've done yep. a couple of podcasts, a thousand blogs and everything around design your decade. Mm. Uh, and 
realistically, what better time, economic time, to shape your next 10 years to potentially pivot slightly so that you can address maybe some flaws within the portfolio because you still can. Mm. And how do you set yourself up now so that in 10 years' time you're well on your way to reaping yeah, the yeah, rewards? So, so we, we're not reacting in a, in a negative way. We're reacting in a positive way to shape the portfolio. So taking stock of what we can do right now to the fundamentals. So if you already own properties, as an example, can we look at our expenses? Can we look at the types of properties we are holding and what we can add to it? And also perhaps forward predicting um, a little bit as to where the sweet spot is likely to be. Are we uh, looking at particular types of properties right now and then going forward as well as to holding it long term? And also are we looking at rationalizing our portfolio at some point in time to say, okay, you know what, we, once once the market returns to some level of normality, do we replace the asset with a better fit in the portfolio? Uh, because obviously we can't, we can't predict performance as such, but it, it comes back to the fit within the portfolio for your particular portfolio to make sure that then we, we can move onwards and closer towards the goal, right? So uh, this is where people that hadn't adhered to fundamentals in markets like this or any upheaval for that matter are going to suffer. And uh, you'll find that there is a flow of wealth happening uh, in terms of people that aren't prepared uh, or have not looked at the, you know, looked after the basics of the portfolio, i.e. the cash flow, the equity position, the liquidity of the equity they may lose momentum and some may be forced to sell or, or from a purely from in between the ears sort of thing, they may want to sell down to then restart again and that's where the opportunities may lie. I think you've just raised a really valid point there where you mentioned losing momentum mm. and that's really, really important because on your journey or your pathway if you will when you're investing it's not always full steam ahead no, there it's are, never there are t- linear never and there are times where you're going to have to take take a step back assess take a breath relax sit mm-hmm. on your hands do nothing consolidate if you will until you start to get a bit of perpetuation yep. again and that can be dictated by the asset selection to begin with mm-hmm. your own financial position the market uh, and maybe all those ingredients put together and today's a really good example of that because if you look at it, there are still plenty of people that want to purchase, and we're not mm. trying to be those property guys that are saying now's the best time ever to you, that you should buy. Because yeah, for for some people, it for might some not it be is, the best. and for some it's not. Yep. Yeah, um, I suppose we're just being more historically factual mm. on what we've experienced because we did invest before the GFC, during the GFC, and clearly after it, yep. all the way up until now, and we'll continue to do so. So there are there are people that will be unfortunately affected by this through job loss, mm-hmm. and therefore income however if they had created their portfolio to begin with based on the right fundamentals of which one of them is cash flow management then this could be just a speed hump exactly will in the the journey over the next 10 15 20 years Mm. however if your asset selection to begin with was all about growth and every bit of cash flow management was to the side it really wasn't something that was in the forefront of your mind well then you are potentially in a bit of a sticky position mm. and you should reassess right now really quickly and make some fundamental changes to address it that's right and i guess the hardest thing right now is to actually sit back and do nothing yeah because you're used to all this momentum and and action and and sometimes that's by far the hardest thing yet that that you can uh, you have to do in your portfolio because often we mistake action as results right so sometimes uh, there needs to be a reality check and um, uh, you know when when we discuss our portfolios with our clients that's one of the first things we flag is that you know you need to stop buying now or we need to slow down the pace or conversely we may need to uh, you know hasten the pace a bit more because we are falling behind in terms of opportunity cost right because everyone's got a finite age in terms of investing mm-hmm. um, because there needs to be an end point to it where, where we need to retire the debt or we need to get to the fruits of our labor. And it doesn't happen overnight. So unless we, we um, uh, really make sure that we are always aiming towards our end goal, we will always make a mistake in markets like this where we may end up buying the wrong property or we may, may not 
uh, we may sit back and not buy at all because we're not well informed and we're not um, really focusing on what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's that's important as well because the goal does shift, mm. but you need some sort of a goal to aim for. That's if you right. Just do it aimlessly, purchasing front doors just because. It's times like this when you when you get stuck, and we've often said that don't judge a property on the on its performance during a really good market. Yeah, judge it in today's today, market. In today's market, yeah. when you have a market in flux and you have terrible economic conditions mm -hmm. potentially that's when you'll start to see mm. the fruits of your labour in terms of ass asset selection and managing the whole portfolio, whether it be one, two or 52 properties. Mm. As we always say, manage that bottom line because cash flow management is king. So let's get to the first point, which is plan before you begin. And you mentioned this, you lightly touched on it, and it's in terms of not just goals, mm. but what are the action points once you, once you reverse engineer it from the goal all the way back to the beginning. So That's right. It, so it could That's be right. around employment changes, mm -hmm. um, incomes, plans for the family, schooling, holidays, sabbaticals. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that you need to throw into the pot before you actually pull the trigger and move forward. Yeah. And I think uh, the thing that we really need to flag on this is that this cannot be mapped out on an Excel spreadsheet. No. <laughs> yeah. no. So uh, your 10-year plans, your 40-year projections and all that sort of stuff, they are all based on linear models and we've proven beyond doubt with this crisis that nothing's linear in life, right? So we need to, certainly we need to do some level of projection to say, okay, this is where we want to end, end up uh, in terms of the portfolio. But then to reverse engineer it to say that, okay, there are basically three moving parts to this, right? So once, once obviously your planning side of it, the next is your income horizon as to in terms of what we are planning to, uh, to achieve in terms of income. And then the third, of course, is a time horizon, right? So, uh, so here's an example. Uh, someone's at, say, 55. Their time horizon is a lot shorter than someone's at 35. So the types of properties and where they buy and what strategies they employ, it'd be very, very different from a, for a 35-year-old because they've got a lot more time as opposed to a 55-year-old. Uh, and, and certainly the level of risk in inverted commas may be different. Uh, because we can't correct for time. So if you look at it from a viewpoint of, okay, someone's hit age 60 and they haven't really thought their portfolio out. And let's say that um, AMP's prediction of 30% decline comes true, which personally I don't think it will, but let's say it did. They've just lost 30% of the equity and, and if, if all they were focusing on was on the equity side of the equation, there's their retirement call. There goes a... As you were saying that, I was thinking of that strategy where people live off equity. Mm. And if you are fool's gold, yeah. And I actually, I won't go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> the soapbox comes out and, and everything else like that. But you also mentioned something which I just want to I want to reiterate and maybe get a, a little bit more clarity around the difference between modelling and projecting. Mm -hmm. Now, on the surface, it, it doesn't really seem that much of a difference. One's just potentially a more technical yep. term. But for me, modeling is, is when you're actually making very, very important decisions, and you mentioned 40 years, mm. um, over 40 years, based on an Excel spreadsheet, whereas projection is a little bit more looser, but you're taking into account the other discrepancies True. that may happen in there. Now, mm. that may not be the technical term, so don't go hating on me, but that's how we look at it. So if we took the modeling effect here and we didn't actually look after the fundamentals, which is growth and cash flow, then you've not just had today's scenario which is going to challenge you. Prior to this, there was APRA yep. and the handbrake. Mm -hmm. So there was another thing to throw the modelling out of kilter. Mm -hmm. um, before that, we had... Well, betw between then and the GFC, there was other little scenarios that happened which affected yeah. so cash so flow and growth. Yeah. In terms of that, so uh, the other thing that impacted way back was not necessarily a slow market, but a fast-moving market. So if you look at Sydney uh, and Melbourne back in 2016, right? Perhaps that for some it was not the right time to invest because the market was moving way too fast, and like like I say, the giggle money was very much in the market. Uh, so we ended up paying more. So uh, the best thing for most people at that point in time was to sit those markets out and look elsewhere, right? So deploy elsewhere. Yeah, and if you had have bought it 2017, ish, 
because you were following the herd or you had that FOMO effect, then mm. between then and now, you've probably found yourself in a negative yep. equity position. So the point really is do not invest on lineal measurements. Mm. It's very, very dangerous, which is one of the reasons why when we talk around the end goal and how we you know, reverse engineer it, yep. so to speak, but it's those reviews of your s- of your situation because that that actually corrects it for for movement, right? Correct. So it was the market's moving, yeah. Yeah, but if you're if you're locked into an asset type or a price bracket which does not allow you to pivot, mm. then your back's up against the wall always. If you don't have a tremendous market on its way up, mm. which isn't all the time, then you're really starting to have bad night's sleep that's right the state of your wallet dictates the state of your mind and Mm. more and today's great example of that so so we've got today which will go down and people will be talking about this for a thousand years Mm. you know from a health side of things an economic side of things and a psychological side of things we've had apra we've had a huge market movements throughout say sydney and uh, melbourne you know from 14 to 17 or or thereabouts then we've had a gfc Mm. And the list can go on. There's recessions, the big recession, the little recession, and so on. Yep. So when you are modeling out in a lineal fashion, it can be dangerous. Very dangerous. And and the other thing in terms of from a portfolio perspective, right, this is where you, you are employing multiple strategies within the portfolio. So e- each property could be different to the other one that you've bought. So it's not all buy and holds. It may have some properties in there where you can put secondary dwellings on. There may be some properties where you can tease out a little bit more equity out of it through doing a smart renovation, right? So with the overall strategy, there are many strategies within the property itself, so each property. So when you're getting onto that property, you look at it from its own strategy. What's, What's the plan for this 12 months, three years, 10 years? And there are variances mm. because it's not plug and play. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So when you come to markets like this, uh, it could be that uh, you are in some level of consolidation. We're actually going back to the properties uh, and uh, unfolding the strategy within the uh, within the property itself, uh, which then plays into the portfolio. Uh, so um, this is where people do get tripped up when they are always honing down on the one type of property, one area, one asset type, one strategy. So then they can't then change in a market like this. I get the attraction of set and forget. Mm. Like as an investor, I understand that, especially when you have seasons of maintenance. Yes. Um, or you're doing a development or, or dual occupancy, whatever it may be. And that type of investment, which is set and forget and to a degree some sort of passiveness, even though we don't like the word, is fairly attractive. But when you don't have options... Mm. And that, that's the key, right? right? You need to have options. You need to have options. And it doesn't necessarily mean on each and every single property. It means within the portfolio. Yeah. So it could be uh, add, adding a secondary income or incomes. Mm-hmm. It could be renovate, withdraw equity, some way to be liquid. There are always options there. If in the initial stages of creation, mm-hmm. there's a thought, there's a plan right. moving forward. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, is not to be impatient, right? So just because growth in inverted commas has come to a standstill at the moment doesn't mean that it won't grow in the future. This is a long-term play at the end of the day and it, it's not instantaneous. Do you know what? You just said something there and the and I, wa- <laughs> I was trying not to interrupt. Um, oh, that's a first. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but see, now I've forgotten what I was going to say. No, I haven't. Um, just beca- you said just because there's no growth in a market today. Now, I'm going to challenge you on that so you can explain it just so everybody understands mm-hmm. what you actually mean. The market is a very, very saturated term. There's markets within markets as we all talk about. And if there's no growth, in a, no inherent growth mm-hmm. in a market today, so we'll talk about one day today, then you still have the options to create the market. Absolutely. And to create, create the growth, create the growth, create the value. The market is between your ears. Mm. Always has been, always will be, as one of my mentors said. Yeah. So if if, it, if I play that out further, so your stock standard buy and passive property in the sense that you you know you're not doing anything to it and you're relying on the market movement to create your growth. 
that might not be the right property in your portfolio right now. So if you're protect, protecting your deposit, as an example, you need to get into a property where by spending minimal amounts, you're able to create value. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's co- you know, counter-cyclical to what the market is. And if you go back to during the GFC when you and I were investing and we were helping our clients invest, they paid massive dividends as the market unfolded over the next 10 years because what we purchased them back at and the rents that they were at uh, at that point in time, the real impact of that portfolio happened 10 years down the track when, it, when they looked back and said, geez, I can't believe we bought it for that cheap. Mm. Yeah. Whereas at that time, it, it perhaps was at market. Um, uh, albeit uh, we were pushing the value up by doing renovations at that time. But it was worth what it what we paid for it. Um, yet, yet, comparable properties that were better presented were a lot more expensive at that point in time. So the market dictates the price quite clearly. And, and yep. as a side note, don't get too caught up in this below market value mm. sort of rhetoric. I think you and I are both about to jump on the soapbox. Yeah, I know. I just watched your facial <laughs> expressions. Then. It, um, it was like, let me add it, let me add it. But at but the asking price is irrelevant. Mm. It's where you see value. It's value. Yeah. Value for you, not necessarily value for so because it needs to fit in your portfolio as well. Just Absolutely. because some things, you know, uh, showing a perceived value of, uh, it's let, I'm making these numbers up, so let's say a perceived value of another 100K if you spent 30 on it. But if you haven't got the 30 to spend, it's not the right property in your portfolio. Absolutely. puts too much pressure mm. on the wallet, so to speak. All right. So let's go to the next point, which is really around the planning stage. And that's to identify the current position, where you want to be, the time horizon mm-hmm. as well. And of course, the income horizon, because all four of those points tend to change. Income horizons always change. It'll be up, Absolutely down, yep. sideways. Once again, I bring today's environment mm. to the to the table. The time horizon changes because you don't know what life throws at you, mm. good or bad. Yep. You might bring retirement forward, go overseas, whatever it may be. Where you want to be, and there's a difference between, well, I want to earn a million dollars a year out of out of property, versus. Not to say that that's not realistic, but having some incremental goals mm. along the way, so you don't lose focus and of course reviewing your current position because how do you get going if you don't know where you even are today exactly right exactly i'm going to go off on a tangent now steve in in terms of if you look at today's environment right if you take away the um the uh, job keeper and job seeker payments and let's say you've lost your job right that's what retirement is isn't it because there's no income coming in so you need to now take a strong hard look at what your outgoings are right so if you're stumped in terms of how the cash flow is going to work in terms of re- retirement this is where your excel spreadsheet comes in because you can model <laughs> that out right yeah. because you can model that out that there's no income coming in apart from your rental income uh, and 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 how much do i need to survive if there are no mortgages so let's say you've you've put your mortgages on hold right so there's no payments going out which sort of uh, emulates no debt and you've got no money coming in because you've lost a job your total reliance then becomes on the cash flow from your portfolio, not the equity, because you can't sell it, right? You can't sell it in a marketplace. And if you did sell, you're selling selling the goose that lays the golden egg, mm. right? So that's what, re- if, you're, if you're stumped as to what the cash flow needs to look like in retirement, here's a good starting point. If, you, if you've projected this out, that'll give you a really good um, uh, starting point as to how you can plan for retirement. That's a really relevant point because a lot of people tend not to or get the two mixed up between planning and, and today mm. and modeling and budgets. Yep. And once again, there's a different then a budget. The budgets that I personally use are for the right here, right now and for the next three years going forward because I'm mm. kind of comfortable in what I know my expenses are over the next three years with some weighted results in yep. there and weighted figures. But beyond that becomes an assumption. Mm. Absolutely, it does because you don't know what's in the. Uh, this is as good an example as anything, right? No one saw this coming, so we couldn't plan for it. Yeah, how, how do you model that? Yeah, how, how do you? How, let's throw in a virus, yeah, in fifteen years' time and and see what that looks like. It, mm-hmm. It's just not possible. Possible. So, f- once again, for us, whilst we really 
keep going on about cash flow. There's a really strong reason for that because we've been through it before That's and I'm right. sure a lot of other people have. And here's an analogy for you. So pre, pre the GFC, do you remember that there was a bank, I nearly said it, there was a bank that was out there that had the ads, equity mate, equity mm -hmm. mate, equity mate. Yep. And standing beside in the driveway beside their car or their boat or anything, just reach into your, into your property, mm -hmm. pull the equity out and live life large. Yeah. Because everybody had forgotten, including the lending institutions around cash flow management and cash mm. flow. It was just about growth, 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 therefore equity, 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 therefore wealth, wealth, wealth. During the GFC, so then the GFC happened, and then during the GFC, everybody started to once again go back to the mantra, cash flow is king, cash flow is king, cash flow is king. And then out of the GFC, people still remembered cash flow is king, cash mm. flow is king, cash flow is king, which is why in terms of property that the more the affordable corridors, which was in the metropolitan areas, which were showing seven and eight percent yields, actually started to they lift. Bounced. They yep. bounced in price before the the inner city prices, mm -hmm. which is in reverse of what most people think, saying that the, the city centres go up first and everything resonates mm. out because everybody still wanted cash flow, cash flow, cash and flow. And that trend hasn't hasn't changed since, has it? Well, the only trend that's changed is that people have forgotten, and we were saying this literally halfway through last year and towards the end of last year um, with a lot of emphasis that people have forgotten that cash flow management or cash flow is king mm. and you need to start correcting, if that be the case, your cash flow position. Yep. That might be always be liquid, make sure that the income is always coming in, whatever it may look like to you. And I feel now that after this, people will start talking about Cash flow, cash flow again, yes. and it's it's done its yeah. it's done its full revolution. So it takes it takes a crisis for people to really take a strong hard look at the expenditure and the exposure, right? They're the two different things. Um, and, and if we bring it back to planning today, right? The best thing you can do in today's environment is plan and mitigate your biggest expense, which is your interest component on your loans, right? So all banks right now if you are ultra negotiable, so you need to or just simply pick up the phone and call them, right? It's the it's the, it's the best. It's never been a better time. Yeah, best twenty minutes or two hours that you'll spend because it's got a long term uh, effect. Because you're then starting at a much lower base, uh, and and you've then mitigated the most expensive part of your portfolio. Absolutely, and just once again, I just want to be very clear that there's a difference between, or sorry, that there's not a difference. It's the same thing between cash flow. When we say cash flow is king. We're actually talking about cash flow management. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Right? Because so look at all facets of it. All facets and make sure you've got a very tight stranglehold on income and expenditure. It doesn't necessarily mean or it doesn't mean that you should only go out and buy positive cash flow properties. Mm. Because a lot of the time, even in today's interest rate environment, that the fundamentals may not be correct. Yep. And I, if I throw in a 50% cash deposit, well, it's positive in Kirribilli. Mm. Or thereabouts, maybe not today. Yep. All right, so once again, the current position, where you want to be, the time horizon, yep. and of course, the income horizon. And income horizon, most tangible suggestion for that is your income today. Mm -hmm. It's something that you're familiar with. Yeah, you're mentally used to it. So, uh, you know, it is tangible mentally. Because if it's not tangible mental, mentally, so if you've just made, a, I want to make, make, you know, earn a million dollars out of my portfolio, and you've, you've earning circa 150, mentally you're not prepared for that. You need to graduate to that. It's like, you know, starting from kindy, then going to primary, and then going to high school, right? You can't just go straight to high school. Um, some could, I suppose, uh, yeah, but well, I was never one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you need to graduate through that. You need to learn and and train your muscles to get to that level. Right, so don't start with an airy fairy goal of of you know I want to earn a million dollars unless you, you you can get some tangibility around it, as well as a, a very condensed time frame. That's right, because you'll be right, utterly yeah. disappointed yeah. and you'll lose you'll mm. lose focus. Yeah. So this once again, this is all part of our designer decade, which we have done a podcast on mm -hmm. before. But there is no better time to actually reset, absolutely, than today. Yeah. yeah. So the next one is review review your progress every quarter. Now, for us, we call that reviews with our clients. Uh, and whether you do it yourself or have an outsider potentially looking in, because mm. you do get lost in your own numbers. Yep. yep. Like you, you and I review each other's portfolios regularly. All the time. Yeah. All the time, because you start to get clouded judgment yep. or a little bit um, lazy. 
mm. is a really good way to to put it. Yeah, plus, you know, it, it's natural that you tend to sugarcoat your own mistakes, don't you? I don't make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, there's this, there's this. Uh, I think they've probably down the coast somewhere. Up the coast? Mm-hmm. See, you even got that wrong. <laughs> it's, um, actually, what what he's referring to, and I have spoke about that before, is my off-the-plan holiday let service department unit. How's that performing today? Just and my our clients know about this for our private um, Facebook group, but for everybody else who's not on that, it's doubled down on being the worst investment ever because. It's a service department, holiday let, the borders are closed, they've actually closed the place down, so mm. there's zero, zero income. So once again, great, great investment. I believe you got one though too, just to make it no, a little no, bit no. fairer. I've, I've, I've doubled down, I've got two up there. You've doubled, doubled yeah. down. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> all right, so once again, review your progress every quarter, and if you if you haven't got the team around you to do it, then at least mm. do it yourself, and be, be real. Yeah. Be yeah. really real. Mm. Don't yeah. embellish on the figures. No, no, because it's easy to easy to do as well. Yep. So, w- you know, the things that we would look in a review, right? So, uh, obviously, the first thing we want to look at is the goal itself. Right? Is it still pertinent? Uh, was it too ambitious or was it um, too low in terms of goals? And, and so we need to review that in terms of time frame and in terms of um, what we need to do in terms of the portfolio. Then, obviously, we need to look at the biggest cost, which is the interest um, look at the mortgages, whether they are now pertinent. Uh, because when you start out, the mortgages that you get it would be the best in the market at that point in time. But as time progresses, the mortgages, the interest rates or the, or the versatility of that mortgage may change. So you need to look at what's available in the market without unnecessarily refinancing, obviously. Right? Absolutely. So, uh, and, and then the, the third thing we need to look at is, okay, is there um, any... Um, big hiatus coming in terms of the other thing that helps hold on to your p- portfolio, which is your income. Right? Are you, uh, you know, is there job change on the card? Are you try- going down the route of uh, self-employment? Or uh, is there a family member being added? Right? So you're having a baby, as an example. And, and who's going on maternity leave? How long the maternity leave is going to last or paternity leave is going to last? Uh, and um, what's the impact it will have on the, on the household cash flow? But also, importantly the impact it'll have on borrowing capacity as well because now you have another dependent. Because it's all about finance. That's right. That's right, yeah. And I think you don't want to embellish there either. Mm. It's, it's really important to be honest with yourself. And you also mentioned goals, and it might also be a time to, dare I say it, lose a non-performing asset. Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah. it could be that you need to add something in to complement the mm. portfolio, which we mentioned about it, or it could be something like add the secondary dwelling. Mm. Once again and I really want to highlight this or, or emphasise it, it's about multiple streams of income. Your Absolutely. wage, different properties, secondary incomes, whatever it may be, but multiple streams of income. And, and diversification away from property as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it could be shares, bananas, or, or whatever it could be. Yeah. And today is a really good example. Multiple streams of income today mm-hmm. would be a life changer or a game changer, I should say. So what are we reviewing? Lifestyle changes, cash flow uh, changes and property market. Yep, yep. and and also uh, in terms of the property market, whether it is now time to do that development if that's what you've parked away, or whether it is time to actually stop the process because it's going to put you in a precarious position if you went ahead with the development, right? I mean, I'm talking particularly your developments that are a bit more involved, um, given that we may be going into an uncertain time in your portfolio. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's uncertain time in terms of the market. That the the uh, other thing we need to look at is also whether there's going to be uncertain time in your portfolio as well. When in doubt, don't. Don't. Yeah. Is, as my mother used to say. All right. So we've talked about what are we reviewing. Now comes the most, or one of the most critical parts, and that's the ability to be able to pivot mm. or having to pivot two different things. So one's a must yep, and one because it makes, or two, makes great sense. And unfortunately, a lot of strategies or some strategies, I should say, don't allow you to pivot because it's just too much if it's a cash flow scenario, but mm-hmm. it's just too much to do to arrest that cash flow. Or it might be about a capital gain where you've just invested in one trick pony towns with high yields, but no growth, or you've even had an equity position change uh, in the negative and you don't have the, serv- the serviceability or the capital 
to be able to yep. pivot, yep. which then paints you into a corner because they're the two finite resor- resources, mm. which is your capital and your cash flow, i.e. serviceability. Mm-hmm. So once again, being able to pivot or knowing that you should pivot doesn't necessarily mean around purchasing. It could be a total cash flow change within the portfolio, negotiating rates, changing lenders, adding secondary incomes, another asset class, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Extremely important. Alrighty, so now let's go to the the argument creating equation. Um, and there are fours and against, and there will always be those that are on either side of the fence as well. And that is paying attention to both sides of the, the equation, which is cash flow and capital gains. Yep. You need both. Now, there's been a thousand trillion articles written all, you know, throughout the media sectors and investment magazines and whatever it may be. What is better, cash flow mm-hmm. or capital gain? Do you need both? Can you survive or get to your goals on one? And the truth is there's no right or wrong if you really drill down as long as you've got a combination. That's right. That's right. And, and I think uh, as, as your age progresses and as your portfolio matures, you will uh, still tilt a bit more towards a cash flow or a bit more towards capital uh, capital growth, depending on where you're heading and what your goals are and depending also in terms of how much income you're earning, right? So um, if, you, if you're earning, and I'm making these numbers up, let's say you're earning $100,000 and your negative cash flow in your portfolio is sitting at say circa 30K, um, that's, that's expensive. That's an expensive portfolio to hold. Right, so we need to perhaps then pivot towards cash flow, which means that, as part of our review, we're bringing forward that secondary dwelling construction to reduce the negative cash flow, or it could be that we've got plenty of time and uh, and we want to create some value really quickly, and we've got plenty of cash buffers both from our job and from our portfolio itself, uh, that can help us hold on to perhaps a more negative cash flow property, which is showing the promise and, and the keyword here is promise because no one can predict the future. Nothing is certain. Yep. So uh, it's showing the promise of far greater growth and you're also helping the growth along by perhaps doing a, a smart renovation on it or, or doing a small development on it. That could be a tilt in your portfolio at that point in time to then you've got the cash flow, now you need the uh, equity position to underpin the cash flow. Or pigeon pair. Yeah, that's right. As we call mm-hmm. it. And it may not be in the same market. It could be in a different state. It could be in a different suburb. And it may not be at the same time. Yes. Which is important to understand mm-hmm. as well. Now, there, there is the... Uh, let's explore that, the cash flow versus capital gain, just a little bit further and let's talk about the pros and, and cons of both of them. Um, because there are a lot of people that just say, well, I want cash flow or I mm-hmm. want capital gain. Yep. So if we traditionally cash flow positive, dare I say it, properties have this um, connotation that they don't grow as well Mm. as something that's just absolutely pointed towards capital growth. And the higher capital growth properties have a poorer cash flow component to them. Now, there's, there's an element of truth to both sides there, being that if I think about one of my properties out in the middle of nowhere, that gives me 16% Mm-hmm. yield, which on the surface sounds extremely attractive, one stove replacement equals... thousand bucks, easy. Yeah, which is like two two months' rent. Yes. Yeah, so the, the economies of scale are all out of whack and mm-hmm. the true cost to operate isn't there. And then if you look at yeah, something on the other side of the scale, which is quite expensive, hasn't performed on a percentage basis in terms of growth per dollar mm-hmm. weighted as opposed or up against some of the other properties that I have. So there's no golden rule. Just because it's higher cash flow does not mean that it doesn't grow, and just because it's higher growth prospects doesn't mean that the cash flow isn't is, good. is horrendous. Mm-hmm. You need to identify the assets within both of those instances and how do they fit into your portfolio. Yeah. So regional areas is a great example. We've had tremendous growth out of some regional areas, mm. which has had relevant cash flow sort of, paired up against it as well but it's very much a timing that's right of the yep, market yep. and it's also your definition of what's regional true because true. regional might be for some geelong mm. and for others not 
or Dubbo in, in New South Wales or whatever it may be. So be very clear on your understanding uh, and know what the difference is. And of course, capital gain as well. well. You know what, to sum it up, the easiest way to explain it really is you need both. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, um, and it's not an overnight thing, right? It could be that um, you are aiming for capital gain, but it doesn't happen given today's market. Or let's say there was another GFC, it may not happen. But your medium to long-term prospects of growth on that property is far higher, as an example, right? And then obviously, we're looking at all fundamentals. There's no sense buying something um, that's showing all the promise of growth, whereas no one wants to rent it or uh, doesn't want to pay a premium for it. And secondly, the bank doesn't want to lend money. These are the two uh, other parts to the equation where it needs to be able to be financed because at some point in time, you may want to offload that property. It's a good and, point. And if, you, if the bank's not willing to lend the money at a higher uh, loan-to-value ratio on it, then chances are that your your people that you can offload the property to is diminished significantly. Yeah, you've just taken, you've halved the market or yes. the, potential, the potential market. So let's have a look at that. Let's, in today's market, because usually when things go bad, everything goes bad yep. around you at the, mm-hmm. at the same time. So let's try and, if I use my, my example of the service department by the water. So that's a poor investment. Now it, it's doubled down, as I, as I mentioned earlier on. You can't rent it because mm-hmm. there's no one there. Another good example of that would be university accommodation. You know, the one-bedroom studios yep. Yep. close to uh, the, 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 you know, the postcode, the, mm-hmm. the, the CBDs, taking advantage of university accommodation, which I've never really got, to be, under, to be fair, because it's, it's such a fluctuating sort of transient tenant type mm. um, that it's never sat well with me but now you've got a scenario where you've got an lvr position which they won't lend on potentially yep they've certainly reduced it you've got no tenant and now you've because you want the consistency of cash flow you've had to throw it into the general pool which Mm -hmm. as a side note is inflating our vacancy rate numbers throughout the country who's going to rent the studio apartment when they've got a two-bedroom uh, that's that's available, correct? Yeah, yeah. At, at a reduced rent, anyway, right? So exactly. Yeah. So I, I think uh, one of the things that we really need to flag is that you are after consistency of income rather than the peaks and troughs of it. Which is why we always talk about reduce the rent, cut early, cut hard, mm. to get someone in there because the consistency, as that's an right. example of cash flow, is better than trying to chase an extra ten, fifteen dollars a week or whatever it may be. So the consistency of cash flow that's a really good point because it's across the entire portfolio. Mm. It's and, and it's really important to understand that. Hence, if you chase the high yield in the middle of nowhere, yep. you won't have that consistency. You'll have massive peaks and troughs, which mm. of course you can't model for. And, and and once again, the capital gain, you can have all the growth in the world, but if you haven't got the cash flow to support the mortgage... That's it, you're done. You're, you're a statistic. Mm-hmm. So for the probably the dozenth time today, yep. cash flow cash flow is management king. is... King, because then it gives you time. You've That's got right. time in yep. the market yep. rather than a buy and mm-hmm. hope. Yeah, so so long as we address the fundamental, time is always your friend, right? And obviously, if, it, if you're not addressing the, addressing the fundamentals, um, regardless of how much time you've held it for, it'll be always a, a losing proposition because it'll bleed out the cash flow. That's it, it's a good point because as you were saying that, it's very easy to bury your head in the sand mm. in that sort of scenario, but every now and again you're going to poke your head up and have a look around and you're going to have this massive anxiety attack because of all that you know, negative cash flow component to the yep. household budget. Mm. And that's when you start to make irrational, irrational decisions. Yeah. It is There is no worse time to make a decision financially than when your back's against the wall. Mm. So try never to be there to begin with. Yep. That's what I would suggest. All right, next point. Keeping finance fluid, and this has many derivatives. So finance for us is not just about how you get the loan or a loan, it's also about what's in your personal piggy bank. Mm-hmm. Liquidity yep. and yep. cash flow surplus. Because that dictates your, your uh, state of mind as well. Because if you've, got, if you've got money in the piggy bank, you, you're fine. And everything goes well for you because mm. you can think clearly as we've talked about before. So now if, if we talk about today's scenario though, it's a really good time to become very close and uh, maybe perpetuate the relationship with your broker. Mm. And if you don't have a broker, you should have one. Yep. 
is the small sentence worth. Mm-hmm. And and sorry, uh, it has to be a broker that's well versed with investment uh, lending, uh, and and someone that can actually sit down with you and talk about your goals and and discuss the outcome for that property, that portfolio, rather than saying, okay, you know, I'll get you the cheapest rate. Because often in these scenarios, uh, it could be that the cheapest rate may be the wrong loan for the portfolio that actually stunts the growth of it because you're not able to add to it. Yeah, absolutely. And in today's environment, because there are some minor changes within the lending hemisphere, Mm -hmm. if you will, uh, that I believe is going to have some direct results on the property market Absolutely. going forward. So some of those obvious ones that has been, or maybe they're not being talked about, it maybe just because we see it every day and we're immersed in it, is industry type. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you had planned purchase, even if you had a pre-approval mm. and you're under contract or in contract in the cooling off period now, your your lender will forensically look at your situation again now and, and maybe yank that pre-approval from you. Because they're looking at your employer more so now as well. Exactly, which then directly uh, affects the borrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be a postcode scenario. Yes. In fact, there we got the. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. We got the the postcode checklist uh, from a couple of the brokers saying, "Here's what the lenders are now identifying as no go areas, or they're certainly reducing the loan to value ratio." Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of them were in that off the plan sort of corridor. Hot spots. Yeah. So. And we had this conversation, I think it was with at the, b- the beginning of the APRA um, rollout when, when lending got really, really tight because a lot, there was a trench wave of, of off the plans that were due to finish at that point mm-hmm. in time and yet their LVR position got reduced, gone with a 95%, down to 80%. Yep. And potentially the lenders weren't even lending, lending, on, lending yeah. on them. It's happening again now. There's a lot of off plan corridors which are suffering in terms of their contract valuation price. They're not... They're not valuing at contract. Mm-hmm. The LVR positions have been wound back. A lot of people have lost their jobs that have you know, unfortunately bought in those types of areas. So you've got this triple effect thing happening, which is going to affect the data for those particular yep. suburbs because you've got these throw amounts of off-the-plan developments or widgets, we'll call them widgets, that are due to settle, that some will settle, some won't, they'll be resold at much lower prices, therefore mm-hmm. taking the generic data and dragging it and down. And then, then the data will say that there's been phenomenal downturn yep. in this area. Yep. You right? watch it. Yep. You watch it. So the finance, keep your finance fluid. So once again, just to reiterate, one, get to know your broker better than what you do now. Mm. Um, because even if you're not purchasing, it might be around rates. It might be around different products refinancing, liquidity, mm. whatever it may be. And like we always say, have the money before you need it. Always. So whether it's in a line of credit or redraw, mm-hmm. preferably an offset. Yep. Without sort of exploring that any further than we can without giving advice. Although, did you see, was it, is there a, is it BE Bank? BE? ME. No, no, I think there was another one the other day that started to take back all the yeah, that's oh, the, the ME, ME, bank. yeah. the ME yeah. banks yeah. so they, they've, they've um, I thought it was a BE uh, bank because I thought no it couldn't be ME <laughs> they've uh, recoined it Despicable Me uh, 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 with the um, in line with the movie ah uh, yes yeah. yes yes so uh, what's happening there is that they've uh, actively reached into their mortgage book and um, they've reduced or frozen redraws which is something that you and I both Steve have flagged time and time and time again uh, especially uh, for the last market yeah what, for the last five, six, seven, eight weeks, mm. there wouldn't be a day goes past where we don't mention it a dozen times that's to right. our clients yeah. and any other platform that's that's listening to us, including this very podcast. Yeah, and and that's testimony to uh, our experience um, uh, without, without blowing our own trumpet that we have been through a similar market during the GFC where the, uh, where the reaction and the um, movement of the lenders is predictable. Do you know what? I actually had a, I'll call it a conversation or discussion with... Um, Yourself? You, you tend to do <laughs> no, that these days. I do actually. Um, I had a discussion with, a, with, with someone else within the industry and this is at the very, very beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that very thing saying, look, you know what, I, I, I think it might be time to you know, tell your clients to, or suggest to them to, to be concerned about their line of credits or, the, or their redraws. And the commentary back was, nah, nah, it won't happen. 
mm. won't won't happen. And not that I want to say I told you so because it's the worst possible situation to say I told you so. And it is only one bank yep. or one lender mm-hmm. at, at this stage. And hopefully public opinion will make them reverse that decision. But we'll yet to see. All right, so keep the finance fluid. Here's another argumentative point for your affordable properties rather than following the herd. Mm. I think it's something that's been bandied around a bit too too much in the in the wrong sense in terms of affordable property. To, we need to define affordable first, right? And affordable is what's affordable to you. So for some people, affordable may be the 750 bracket, right? Uh, and for others, it may be the 400k bracket. It comes back to household income, but not, not just the household income. It's how much money is left over after all of your expenses, right? So it could be that... You know, we, we played the cash flow game with, with Robert Kiyosaki, right? It's the mm. janitor that always wins, right? Because they have the better cash flow even though they have the least amount of income. I, and if you have never played the game, uh, cash flow, uh, which is a... It's a uh, board game. It's a board, yeah. yeah, it's a board game. It's like a more sophisticated version of Monopoly. Mm. If you ever want to see what your personality is or the people, your friends that you're playing with it, play the game. Yep. Because yep. it does bring out your... Your pers- personalities. The other thing which I'll, I'll say about affordable properties, and, and you did touch on it, which is what's affordable to you. Mm. Don't get caught up in the rhetoric that the more you pay for a, for a property, the better investment it is. Just because it's a $1.5 million place doesn't make it a better investment with higher rates of capital growth than the property that's 500000 or even 400000 mm. It's really what's the sweet spot for you in terms of your individual cash flow and the surplus that the household is willing to support the mortgage pre-tax yep and it's what your risk profile is i'm about to get on my soapbox do it do it so if you look at look at your one and a half million purchase right so uh, the argument is if i have a one and a half million exposure if it grows up by 10 percent, i get one hundred and fifty thousand, right in 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 growth if we uh, looked at it from a diversification point of view and we had still one and a half million let's say those spread over four properties same amount of growth in today's market it's unlikely that all four of your tenants are impacted in terms of being able to pay rent whereas if your one tenant in the one and a half million dollar property is impacted that's your whole mortgage right you've got to come up with that whole mortgage whereas you've got like you said steve multiple streams of income and it doesn't just come back to property it comes back to the diversification in terms of the number of properties you're holding, not necessarily in terms of brag right numbers, but in, in, in a sanity way, a number of properties you're holding, the different areas, the different types, so that you know all of your assets are not in the one basket. Do you know what? That's a really, that's a, that's a really good point because ask yourself this. If we we'll use the 1.5 mm-hmm. and or thereabouts. So if $1.5 million worth of asset, one property... As an example, got you 7% a year. Don't, I'm just throwing that number out there. That doesn't mean all properties grow at 7% per year. Right? So if it grew at 7% per year, or you could have, as you say, three or four other properties that also grew at 7% per year, mm. with, I would argue, a better cash flow position anyways, with a higher net or even gross yield, ask yourself this. Would you rather the multiple streams of income, as Victor said, spread over three or four assets to have assets to have the same exposure within the same growing market or are you actually letting ego get in the way and pride get in the way saying look at me i've got this 1.5 million dollar property in inner city australia somewhere versus these ones out here in the corridors that gonna give me the same growth gonna give me more income gonna uh, mitigate my risk in terms of cash flow. And it's a lot more liquid because if you need to sell down, you can sell down a lot faster as well. Absolutely. So be honest with yourself. Mm. Ask the question. Alrighty. Review, replan and pre-plan. And I want to say that one again. Review, replan and pre-plan. Rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. Rinse and repeat. It is so important that we, as we mentioned earlier on, always reviewing. Yep. Not just even quarterly, it might be after every purchase if mm-hmm. you're on a um, purchasing run, yep. so to speak. And, and, and I'm glad you brought brought that up, Steve, in terms of uh, you know immediately after a purchase or when you're about to purchase. Because sometimes it's out of out of sync as well because because you are reviewing regularly, you may find the opportunity 
or the need to actually bring forward a purchase or push back a purchase right mm. so um that way it, it, it's it's a true testimony that plans are not set in stone they need to be morphed and changed with where the market's heading so that we are always uh, realigning to to reach your goal because we're always trying to balance the books that's right once again mm. it might be something that's more orientated around cash flow to support the bottom line or it yep. might be something more about growth um, or with the potential then for for cash flow. So if you're not reviewing after each purchase, or it could be a zoning play. So you mm-hmm. own, you know, multi-level zoning property, and behind you comes up, that's an out of line purchase. But you'd be, if the household budget allows you, you you should potentially explore that. That's right. Yeah. So uh, that that brings us to the point that we should never um, be in a position where you are absolutely maxed out in terms of both cash flow. Um, Sometimes the the borrowing itself would be maxed out because of changes in lending and changes in market, which is which is quite normal. But from a household perspective, you should never be maxed out. That's right. So review, mm-hmm. replan because you need to replan right. after you've reviewed your position, and then replan, which is really adjusting where you need to go forward. Mm-hmm. What's happening in life? What's happening in the market? What's happening in the portfolio itself? Right. Let's say you had a whole string of, um, uh, you know, good run in terms of the portfolio, in terms of good equity build up and uh, good cash flow. You'd probably say, okay, do I now bring forward my my development if I've got that parked in my portfolio, or do I bring forward the purchase? Or it could be that you know the, you've got, um, like I said before, a f- addition in terms of the family. Do I now push back my purchase so that I can then cater for um, the imminent um, uh, temporary loss of income in my in my um, household budget, so that we're not putting unnecessary pressure? Because it's all about managing it within the confines of what life throws you away, but still planning towards it. Always be planning. Mm-hmm. Always be planning. All right, we're quickly running out of time, so let's recap. Well, here's some tips, more more so than anything. One, the number of properties does not equal wealth. True. Yep. Yep. If anything, um, just barbecue brag rights, which is, you know, by the time you've left the barbecue, they're probably thinking, oh, look at this person. Exactly. Growth is not lineal. And that doesn't mean just capital growth. That also means income growth, so the rents. Yes. So when you're trying to plan this inflection point where all rents cover all expenses based on a certain amount per mm. annum, averaged and weighted it just doesn't work that way and it can go backwards as well temporarily look at today yeah yep and don't be caught in the normal oh i like that it's pretty good isn't mm, it, it is. and normal for you doesn't mean normal for somebody else mm-hmm. not making this a couch moment <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, let's explore that a little bit more steve uh, uh Normal could be that if everyone's jumping on and buying uh, off the plan apartments because they're ultra cheap now right that's normal, but don't get caught up in that because it may not may be the worst thing in your portfolio. Or mining towns is an example. But even conversely, if there's a lot of people out the, out in the in industry at the moment saying today is the best time in living history to purchase, mm. it may not be for you. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It may not be something that you should be activating. Mm-hmm. Understand that that was a general comment. It's not specific to you. You need to look at what's specific to you and whether uh, it is the right time for you to buy. And I would argue the fact that it is the best time in oh, absolutely this in, in living history mm-hmm. to be to be purchasing. Do I think there there is some opportunity? Absolutely, mm-hmm. I do. Just like there was yesterday, last year, the GFC and during a high market as well. Correct. So don't get caught up in that. The FOMO. Yeah, because that, essentially that's. That's what it is. Okay. So that's it, folks. How to use current market conditions to shape your portfolio over the next decade. Design a decade, if you will. Uh, Now, this was, as we mentioned earlier on, was our recorded or our filmed version. So if you listen to this on the podcast on one of the platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever it may be, uh, jump on over to our Bright Property Group YouTube channel where we've got a mountain of other videos, uh, educational and the like or even some of our Facebook Lives. Yep. Keep an ear out for our next Facebook Live event, which we tend to do every fortnight, which uh, exploring all things that are topical there and, and then, rather than anything pre-planned. So we wing it a little mm-hmm. bit, uh, but it works well for us. Vic, thanks. Thank you. Social isolating at its best. Yes. Um, we're almost back to normality, mm-hmm. so they say. 
So let's hope everybody keeps well and safe and keeps their distance so that we're actually out of this quicker uh, than later. Good to see you again. And we will be back in a couple of weeks for another filmed version of Investing Insights. See you then. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.